0: Welcome to Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, where we are seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. I am your host, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. We are here for another episode, week six. Man, time is flying. We are so appreciative of what uh, God has allowed us to do in this podcast and all the support that we are getting. Um, We really want to take time to just say thank you to all of our supporters who have been subscribing to our YouTube channel Unscripted Authentic Leadership and also who have been following us on Facebook on Unscripted Authentic Leadership those of who have been subscribing and following us on our Instagram checking out our IG TV reels the unscripted reel the short podcast clip getting views there at Unscripted Leadership we thank you for your support those who have been downloading streaming the podcast whether it be by apple or spotify google podcast stitcher or buzzsprout to that we say thank you listen man how do you feel man we're in the week six how you feeling bro
1: oh so crazy to think about i feel like we just started last week right. it's gone.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: oh my goodness as i was setting this up i'm like i can't believe this is episode six already so, so before we know it we'll be at episode 60 so this is great
0: exactly Yes. Absolutely absolutely. This is just the beginning We are excited So listen, we, we capped off last week For the first week of September We started our September series On diversity Last week we talked about uh, Six unconscious bias Six out of twelve unconscious bias uh, We think this is an, pertin- an important, pertinent topic A relevant topic um, it's critical for our world For our Country for our culture all just all around whatever context you think uh, That diversity needs to be seen more in we will be talking about it all this month In various aspects of diversity we kind of just want to continue Talking about those unconscious biases part two this week Those of you that may have not uh, watched or listened to the uh, podcast episode last week We talked about the six unconscious biases about uh, affinity bias, uh, confirmation bias, attribution bias, conformity bias. We also talked about the halo effect and the horns effect. If you have not had a chance to check out last week's episode, I promise you check it out. Uh, You may not listen to the whole thing, but check out at least those those six unconscious biases. I promise you, you can find some tools, some nuggets that you will enjoy and that you can apply to your everyday life that will help you. Be the leader, the uh, leader that you desire to be. And so we're going to get right into those uh, six unconscious bias that are left of those 12. Uh, like I said, we talked about the affinity, the confirmation, attribution, conformity, halo effect and the horns effect. And so we're going to continue that with bias. Number seven being the contrast effect, the contrast effect. The contrast effect is when you compare two or more things that you have come in contact with, either simultaneously or one after another, causing you to exaggerate the performance of one in contrast to the other. And so when you think about this in the context of the, work, the workplace, uh, this is a common type of bias uh, in the workplace. It is not uh, something that you really have to look for uh, to, to, to catch or to see. And I'm sure that we've all done it, comparing one person to another, uh, whether that be looking at one resume to another uh, or following one interview to another. Uh, you, you make your decision based off this person's interaction you had with them. Things went well and then things may have not gone so well the next person. And so you have that contrast effect. Um, but we kind of talked about that last week and uh, kind of slowing down. In, in contrasting and being quick to judge between two people because the reality is uh, the person may have terrible qualities. They may have had a terrible interview. Um, they may have had a terrible attitude. Uh, and if you compare that to someone that is more favorable in your eyes, uh, you will go with the more favorable person according to your own personal preference. Uh, but the candidate that you may need may be the one uh, that had that terrible interview or had that terrible attitude, and so we want to be careful in having that uh, contrast effect. John, talk talk a little more about the contrast effect and what's your uh, idea on that. What 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 do you think about when it comes to the contrast effect?
1: Yeah. So the contrast effect, basically, as you kind of alluded and sort of said in your definition, is how we we basically compare, we like upgrade or downgrade things or others compared to something we may have just witnessed. Mm -hmm. Um, When I used to do interviewing, we would often had our department manager would be in, um, if we had, we usually interviewed for multiple candidates, interviewed multiple candidates. And we would have the department manager who in the end, would kind of select who we thought was ideal. But as supervisors um, of teams, he would, he would like us to be part of the interviews. And since there was multiple supervisors, often what we would do is he would, this is very smart, he would be in, in most of the interviews, and I would attend one of them. And so maybe the candidate um, was a good candidate, in my eyes, or maybe let's let's take it this way, Let's say the candidate was we thought, man, he had a lot of lack. Well, what could happen is if you go into the next candidate right after that, and that person may be still below average but better than the first one, you're like, "Wow, this one is so much better because you're comparing the contrast of the other one. that's the contrast effect." So what we would do is the, and the other supervisor would often be in the second interview instead, and we would almost flip-flop a little bit. It didn't happen every time, but it would help with things like that because that other supervisor wasn't in the first interview to, to sort of feel. Um, it, it, it helps remove that contrast issue. I don't know that we did that on purpose for this contrast effect because I had never heard of it before, but it was a smart move. You can also do the opposite. If you had a great candidate and this would be somebody like just stellar, he may be at the top of the department in your in your eyes, or maybe he's just an amazing interviewer. And then you have another interview with another candidate, because and that person is would typically, if that was the first interview, you would have said, Wow, this was really good. But because this person was after the really a really good talker, a really good interviewer, you think. Eh, he's not quite what we're looking for, but the reality is, if you would have started with him and only had him as an interview or her, then that individual, you would have said, hey, this is this would be a great candidate for our company. Um, we do this all the time. So take a look at Steph. You want a different realm? Steph Curry. He looks super small in the basketball court, but he's actually six foot three. Right. If he was at my house, he would be a giant. Okay, I'm five foot nine um Kyrie Irving looks tiny on the basketball court he's six foot two you get what I'm saying so um this this happens a lot we also do it with ourselves when I was uh in high or in junior high I moved states I started playing soccer for a team that really wasn't very good and so I stepped on the field and it was because it was mid-season and there's no other teams to try out for and I was instantly top two players right I was in junior high it's not a big deal but one of the best top two thought, wow, I'm so amazing. I'm so good. The following year I went and tried out for a good team and I started on the bench. (laughs) So, right. Good compared to who, right? So it's good for you when you're looking at others and looking at yourself. Okay. Average is, you know, the best of the worst and the worst of the best. And so, um, not that you're trying to, I'm not trying to talk up again, talk on average, but, The contrast is basically looking at it goes for when you're looking within yourself and when you're looking at others and try to grade yourself and your others based on their own merit, not on who you just saw.
0: Uh, Wow. (laughs) Good compared to who (laughs) that just blessed me because a lot of us, we think we have this big head and you are a big fish because you're in a little pond. But if we put you in the ocean with the sharks and the bigger fish, we would compare you, you would look smaller in size. And so a lot of times our comparison only comes It's very relative to us, because we only compare ourselves by ourselves and that's not wise. Whoa, (laughs) I'm not gonna add nothing to what you just said. That was awesome. Good compared to who? If you don't get anything else out of the rest of this podcast, but you will. But if you don't, I want you to take that for the rest of the 2020. Good compared to who? If you are comparing how great you are, something your stats, according to who you are, then you're going to seem wonderful. You're going to seem great. But who are you comparing yourself to? Good compared to who? Ooh. All right. Contrast effect. (laughs) That was really good. Moving on, we're going to gender bias, gender bias. This is really good. It's kind of a self-explanatory term, uh, but it's the tendency to prefer one gender over another gender. Now, people may be saying, well, we're in 2020, uh, John and Lafayette, and this really does not exist to that, I would say. Uh, Either your eyes are closed, uh, you're ignorant, or you're just willfully being blind. What I mean by that is um, if you look at statistics, take opinions out of it. The reality is, is that women are often not as favored or looked upon as favorable as it comes to men. Whatever context you want to look at it in. Uh, if you want to look at it from a a, a spiritual context, even though study would suggest that there are more women in church than there are men, you still see, as far as leadership roles and platforms, they're more given to men, even though women outnumber men. If you look at the workplace, the CEO numbers, statistically, not opinions but facts, uh, women, when it comes to jobs. Uh, Men are more likely to get a job or if they if the woman gets the same job as them, they will be paid more, even though the woman has the same credentials as them. Both of them have a bachelor's degree. They both have the work experience. They both have the correct credentials. But because one is a man and one is a woman, the man has the advantage. If you look at uh, civil rights, not just beyond the black and white, uh, but civil rights for by for gender that women weren't allowed to vote into the 60s. Uh, If you look at that, that's not that long ago and it's crazy. Uh, And so when you begin to think about these things, we have to be careful, um, especially as men as being men of this podcast, just speaking to those of us who are in the audience that are listening to this in our audience that we don't get that superiority complex um that we think we are more uh dominating or somehow we are smarter uh we often will make jokes that uh women are bad drivers uh, women are this and women are that and we don't realize that contributes to these biases i've said it i've said it uh you know a woman can't drive as good as me i've said it out my own mouth so i'm not throwing rocks at anybody uh and i'm definitely not trying to come from a place of being hypocritical uh, is something that I want to make sure that I'm intentional of being. This is one of those things now we're talking about unconsciously because I've said it unconsciously not to uh, be offensive, not to be demeaning, not to be degrading. But the reality is, is that we have to break that stigma uh, that even in 2020, women are still behind the margin. And it takes not just women speaking up for other women until men start speaking up for other women. Then is that when we will see change? So uh, just think about that uh, when you think about gender bias and the fact that a man is one and a half more times likely to be hired than a woman, higher than a woman, regardless of the same credentials, uh, the same resume. What, what do you think about when it comes to a gender bias, job?
1: So I just read a study actually it said men are one and a half times more likely to get hired for a job when competing with a woman. Um, and the interesting part was it didn't matter um, whether the HR hiring person was male or female so even females preferred um, the uh, the uh, male over the hiring um, which was a crazy stat um, and I'm not saying that justifies it don't get me wrong don't don't twist the words here. Yeah. I think it's just that um, I just had a conversation with someone yesterday how media often, is programming uh, our, our minds to, to view things certain ways. And often, you know, women were, s- in the media even, for a long time, were seen as sort of or portrayed as less than, inferior, not as powerful, not as good of a leader, those types of things. I hope that it's adjusting, but I can't control the media except to tell everybody to turn it off, except for the podcast. I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but really, is it was a crazy stat. So when you think of a leader, what are you really looking for? There's a stigma that says that, may, you know, we think, I uh, was listening to um, the C, I can't remember her name. She was the COO, I believe, of Facebook. Okay. Um, she's famous. Just Google it. You'll. I don't remember her name. I heard her speak live once. She was incredible. And she made a comment. She said, how interesting is it that. Assertive men are seen as leaders, but then assertive women are labeled as bossy, right? How many, often do we say that to our kids, right? You have a, yep. young, a young son, and, you're, and he's very assertive. Look, he's being a leader. But then your daughter, you're like, hey, quit being so bossy, right? <laughs> Why not let them both be leaders and just, I'm not saying that they're probably both a little bossy at the age of nine but uh they're still learning in their role of leadership so why does that stigma exist did uh, when we look for leaders we often look for communicators right Uh, who can bring teams together who's better at multitasking things like that uh and did you know that on average women are much better multitaskers it's proven how often how often dads are you at home and you're supposed to cook and get the kids in the bath and do a few other things. And then when mom gets home or your wife gets home, you're like, oh, I'm so exhausted. But she does it all the time after work. She comes home, makes dinner, gets the dishes rolling. Kids are in the bath and ready for bed. You walk in like, ah, please looks amazing. Right? She's not sweating. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's the better communicator in your house? The man or the woman? I already know the answer. Okay? Okay. Um, I never, I never say, honey, you didn't tell me this, but I promise you there's many times I haven't told her that something and like, oops, I forgot. Correct. It's, it's not a secret that women are better communicators in most situations. Um, statistics of Bureau of Labor statistics says, uh, women are two times, almost two times more likely to talk through problems. Not just their problems, I'm talking about organizational problems. So, sure. if you have an issue or situation at work as a leader, who's more likely to talk through it and who's more likely to ignore it and hope it goes away? Obviously, women are more likely to talk through the problem instead of just saying it is what it is. Um, yep. And then also, you know, when you're building teams and relation that's all about relationship building. Who's best at relationships, men or women? Who's more thoughtful, right? When someone's birthday is at work, I was a supervisor and my cohort, my co supervisor of the same, basically the same team was a female. And she always remembered people's birthdays. She always remembered to bring donuts in for somebody's anniversary. Even if it was on my team, it wasn't hers. I, I can't tell you how much I learned from her. Her name was Ashley. And how much I took from her example and the things she did to show appreciation to her team. I thought, wow, I, I learned so much in just the first year of. She was promoted before I was and just watching her example. So, yes, um, get rid of that bias. If you don't have enough women leaders in your organization, I promise you're missing out. And they are the missing link to um, you succeeding and having tight groups within your team.
0: Absolutely. The missing link. And we need women. We need you. Uh, Unscripted, authentic of leadership. We embrace women. We embrace men. We embrace everybody. And so that was so, so good, especially the examples that you brought off. If we just start thinking of simple things like John said, uh, women are so much more diverse and go through so much more than we do. Uh, it's just incredible. They really have been given superpowers. Um, they have the ability to literally birth another human being through their bodies, carry them for nine months, birth them and raise them incredible. and then do it again and do it again all over and and we won't complain. So we salute all the world out there. God bless Mm you. All right, moving on to the uh, ageism, to the next bias, ageism. Ageism is the tendency to have negative feelings about another person based on their age. Now, we see this on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, We've all heard the arguments that all those millennials Those young people, they don't know what they're doing. They're crazy. Uh, All of them with their technology and their aspirations, their ambitions, they don't know what they're doing. They're going to destroy our world. This next generation, we're not going to have a world to live for Well, also on the other opposite side of the spectrum uh, as a millennial, they can speak for millennials. Uh, Sometimes we disregard the baby boomers. We disregard the older generation because we don't think that uh, they're hip enough to uh, know what we're doing. Uh, we we got to show grandma how to use a Facebook. What is this thing called a cell phone? You know what is this thing called texting? Uh, pick up the phone and call me. Uh, but the reality is, is that we need both generations. Um, this is kind of personal for me because. I am a young man, but I I consider myself to have an old soul. And so I embrace both uh, generations. I I don't like uh, looking down on someone because they're too young or because they are considered quote unquote old. I don't like the word old. I just like the word seasoned uh, because the reality is this food is bland without seasoning. And if there is no seasoning in the world, Uh, Nobody wants to taste what you have to offer. We need those. Um, The Bible says that he called the young because they're strong, but he called the old because they know the way. So if you don't have wisdom to go along with strength, you'll kill yourself. I can have all of this power and all of this strength. Uh, I can have a weapon in my hand and I know how to use it. But if I don't know how to harness the strength, if I don't know how to harness that ability, that's where the older uh, people come in, the older generation comes in rather, um, then I will do serious damage. But if you learn how to marry both together, it makes a beautiful marriage between the seasoned and the younger. And so we need both, especially in the workplace um, to kind of lead going forward. We work hand in hand. And if we learn to work hand in hand, we'll be better for it. When you think about ageism, John, what do you think about when it comes to this particular bias?
1: Yeah, so there's five generations actually still in the workforce. Most people don't realize that because of medicine and quality of health and life, people are working longer. It's also harder to retire. So there's a lot. You have the, there's five generations, actually, silent generation, baby boomers, uh, Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z. And I won't get into all the details on that. But just remember this for anybody who's young or old and doesn't appreciate the other generations. Young people out there, everything you know up to the age of 18 was taught to you. And that was by somebody of an older generation. Remember that. Even after that. As you have kids, what example do you follow? Your parents. Whether it's what you want to do or not to do just regardless, but you follow the example of somebody older than you most likely, whether it was your parents or not. It could have been a grandparent, right? When you are a kid, who did you look up to the most? Mom, dad, and then grandma and grandpa, right? Yep. yep. So older people, the younger generation, you raised them, <laughs> right? They're a product of the environment you gave them, and so don't 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 look down on that and if you didn't like it i guess we should change it a little but i really don't think the younger generation is bad i think every generation has looked at the next younger generations that they helped create and said i don't know about these kids Mm -hmm. right it's happened forever i'm sure during the hippie ages those parents back in the 60s and 70s parents were like what have we done now look most of those that age is the ceos of the companies that we all work for and love the innovators of our new technology it's okay to be young and a little bit crazy sometimes we're just exploring you know what life has to offer and where our place is and you'll find it so just appreciate the each generation and look up to each generation and respect each one because we all have something to offer. And, um, you know, a lot of things, there's a lot of proof that goes into age diversity improves the performance and productivity of your company. It improves the complex decision makings. Um, Companies with with older workers have less turnover, which reduces costs, right? Because older workers are less likely to hop from job to job um younger workers are still trying to figure out where their place is um so and that and younger diversity also helps drive innovation so all everyone has their place and everyone is created um, with a special um characteristic so
0: yeah. absolutely i love how you brought that example of each generation this is just a template of the generation that followed before them we are you So we need each other. And and those statistics that you brought out uh, about both generations, that was really, really good. So that's ageism. The 10th bias that we want to cover is name bias, name bias. Name bias is just simply the tendency to judge people or prefer people with certain types of names. Okay. Uh, this is a personal one for me um, because I've thought about when I have children that. I've always said uh, I don't want to name them something that later on down the line in their life would be a hindrance for them getting a job or cause them to be deemed or looked down upon when that shouldn't be the case. Um, We talk about don't judge a book by its cover. But the reality is, is that studies would show studies would show uh, that white names receive 50 percent more callbacks for interviews than African-American names. Additionally, applicants living in nicer neighborhoods also receive more callbacks for both white and African-American names. Another study found that Asian last names are 28 percent less likely to receive a callback for an interview compared to other uh, ethnicity names or ethnic names. And so I think I had said that last week that uh, Samantha is more likely to get a a job over someone whose name is Shaniqua or uh, um, uh, John is more likely to get a job uh, than um, Mark Juan. So when you look at these things because people associate a unique name with uh, a bias they have where somebody has to come that's a ghetto name and so if they have a ghetto name whatever that means. Um, They must come from a ghetto place and they don't know how to conduct themselves as professional. And so this is something that is very pertinent, is very important. And we see it all the time. Um, There are some black people that I know personally that, even filling out their application, they'll put down a nickname or they'll shorten their name uh, just so the person that is interviewing or looking at their resume will not put their a resume in the shred box just because they're looking at their name don't read nothing past the name the resume the credentials um, And so this is something that has to be broken down this is something that is critical and uh, it's important that we are aware of this now we know everyone's going to have their biases some people may look at this and say that may sound ridiculous but somebody may listen to this and say you know what I've got to go beyond the surface I've got to go beyond the exterior. There's more to me than what my name is. John, talk about what what do you think about uh, when you think about name bias?
1: It's unfortunate, honestly. Um, Harvard Business School did a study, and and in that study it actually showed that um, non-white people are whitening, quote, whitening their names on resumes. And while doing that, it doubled their their callbacks. Uh, I don't know how the study was conducted. I imagine it was something along taking the same resumes and just changing the first name. I really hope this is changing. Um, I think the fact that the trend of names being non-common for you know not ju- for all races is is trending up with yeah. unique names and so forth. So I really hope that we'll have a positive effect over the next 10 years. It's ne- I, My name is John, so I can never really say I've had an impact from this. But I can tell you one thing. Um, one of the biggest things that's changed my life over the years was interviewing somebody whose name is Lafayette. So I'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> that's awesome, man. Also, man, also I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That I always appreciate John because he's open and he has an understanding mind, open mind to see things from all aspects. So I appreciate that about you, bro. Um, the next bias is beauty bias. Uh, beauty bias is a social behavior, social behavior, where people believe that attractive people are more successful, competent and qualified. Um, while appearances race aside are not protected by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. It is a form of bias that is prominent in the workplace. One study found that traditionally attractive people, both men and women, earn higher incomes, whereas less attractive people earn lower incomes. Another study found that attractive people are less likely to receive a job offer for roles that are low paying or perceived to be beneath them. Uh, This may be because attractive people are viewed as more social, happy and successful. Now, when I think of beauty. Immediately, the first thing that comes to my mind is the quote that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, what that simply means is that beauty is relative. It, it, it is it is subjective. Um, it's not objective because what's beautiful to me may be ugly to you. So who makes these definitions? Who does these who makes the, the hard lining that this is what beautiful is? If you are size two um you're beautiful if you are size 20 you're not beautiful Um, if you have freckles on your face you're not beautiful Uh, but if you have clear smooth skin you're beautiful uh if you have a certain shade to your skin tone then you are fit to be an instagram model and if you're too dark uh then we we don't like you and we exclude you and so we really have to be careful it goes back to the principle and there's a book called uh, Everything That I Learned I Learned in Kindergarten. If we really would go back to the principles that we really learned at four five and six or we should have learned um, to treat others as you want to be treated and don't judge people based off how they look or what's beautiful to you, because the reality is uh, the social constructs that I see in our world today that define beauty are really disgusting. Um, it is someone that has plastic surgery. There's nothing on your body that's real. And we call that beautiful to me. I I don't think that's beautiful. I'd rather you be natural. I'd rather be organic. We don't know if that's you or if that's somebody else. We don't know if that piece of hair came from you or somebody else. We don't know uh, if that feature on your body came from you or somebody else. And so we have to be careful uh, of how we perceive people because of we think they're beautiful or not beautiful. Talk about uh, what you think about when you think about beauty bias, bro?
1: this one is hard. Um, I think I don't know how the studies are conducted, but I don't disagree that if you perceive somebody as more beautiful, you're probably more likely to sort of magnetize towards that person, but at the same time, I think that confidence can and can breed sort of a higher beauty in people's eyes Good. so you know God created you in his image and therefore you're all beautiful you really are and I do I do agree that some people have a hard time seeing past the exterior and I can't change that unfortunately but uh, allow your beauty on the inside to shine and and I think that it will show on the outside and hopefully help with that. But I can't disagree that it doesn't happen, but it's a hard one to go off of. You know, except to understand for the audience that there's a beauty bias and just be self-aware of it and do a checkup from the neck up and make sure that you're, you're not the one that's, you know, using that bias when associating with others or, let's say hiring
0: yeah absolutely absolutely just that that little principle do a checkup from the back all right just remind yourself that every day before you walk outside the door uh, and remind yourself of the golden rule just to treat others as you want to be treated the last uh, unconscious bias is kind of one that i thought was comical uh, I thought it was very interesting. It kind of made me laugh. Um, I did not laugh because I didn't think it was serious, but I, I laughed because I've never thought about it in my mind. as something that people have a bias toward. But as you begin to dig deeper and look further, it is absolutely real. This is the, the bias of height, height bias or heightism. Is the tendency to judge a person who is significantly shorter or taller than the socially accepted? There it is again, human height. Now, this may seem crazy, but there is a study that would show you uh, the findings of the study is that a person who is six feet tall roughly earns $5,500 more per year than someone who is five and a half feet tall, regardless of gender, age, or weight. Another study found that tall candidates are perceived as more competent, employable, healthy, which may explain why 58 percent of male CEOs at major companies are over six feet tall. This is interesting to me. Uh, A lot of things run through my mind, uh, but I think that we really have to be careful because we associate height with brilliance our height with the ability to lead it just it kind of goes back into intertwine between the beauty bias uh, that it is absolutely absolutely ridiculous to for someone that (laughs) is just a few inches taller to earn five thousand dollars more per year just because they were given something uh to themselves that none of us can control how tall we are I cannot make myself grow nobody can And so something that is completely out of my control is a benefit uh, for me. so uh, to combat that you know do blind interviews, do phone interviews and some companies are doing these things Our video interviews where the person is sitting down to kind of eliminate that height bias. When you think about the the height bias, what do you think about John?
1: So I can understand a little bit, for years, I was the smallest or second smallest in every class I had, all the way up until I was about 16 years old, and then finally, I started to grow. It took forever, I stopped at 5'9", so I'm close to that average height. Um, The average height in America is between 5'9 and 5'10", so finally hit that, but not until halfway through college. And so, I I was an athlete, I played sports, And I was just always really small. And I can tell you that being small early on can hurt your self-image. And it was primarily looking back because everybody always commented on how small somebody was in sort of this sympathy sort of, oh, he's just so small kind of way. And often, if someone's small, but they try to show leadership traits, they often refer to as having a Napoleon syndrome, right? Mm. And so it happens a lot with um, my son is very small, because my wife is barely under five feet tall, and I'm 5'9", and I didn't grow until almost college. And so he is, yesterday, he sat, stood next to one of my, I have a friend who is 6'4", and his wife is six one. so their kids are gigantic. And... Yesterday I ran into him and his son, and his son's in kindergarten, and the same height as my son, who's in fourth grade. They're exactly the same height. Now his son is the t- is the tallest kid in class. My son is the shortest kid in class, but they're still <laughs> three years apart. And so, but we tell we don't tell our son, "Oh my gosh, you're so short." So if your parents out there, just don't your your son knows he's short. Your daughter knows that she's short. It's I think it's more of an issue with men. Um your son already knows that he's a small person. You don't need to reiterate it. You don't need to talk about it like it's an issue. It's not. He was created that way. It's okay. Right. He has special talents, right? Absolutely. He it's okay if he wants to play basketball and he's short. Most people don't go to the NBA anyways. Just allow him to learn what he's supposed to learn at each period of life. So, yes, the height I can see the height bias being an issue. I can also see it being an issue due to potentially, um, having lower self images as by growing up as a short person. Um, so, yep.
0: Absolutely. Raising that generation, um, not to have those stigmas because a lot of times, uh, people grow up, they're grown adults. They have these stigmas because we told them from a child, like you said, you're not telling your, your son, there's nothing wrong with being short. You're not letting them know that. And a lot of times they won't, have that stereotype or that bias unless we put that in there. Uh, listen, this has been a, an amazing, amazing conversation. Another awesome, awesome week uh, dealing with diversity, uh, unconscious bias, part two. Listen, you do not want to. Miss um, the last two weeks of September, uh, but before we wrap that up, John has a, a special message that he really wants to give to our audience. And he has really something critical that you need to hear.
1: So as we talk through these biases, yes, it's unfortunate yeah. that there's biases and no one's doubting that. But the, the fact of the matter is, well, Lafayette and I can talk about them and hopefully bring awareness to all of us. And yeah. just as a reminder of, hey, look at the person for the person is really what we're we're here talking about. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you yourself cannot control whether somebody else has a bias, and you can't let that stop you. So yeah. it's time we start to view ourselves in the image of God, the Creator. Uh, you were created in a unique manner, whether you are spiritual or not. Just understand that you were created special. You were given gifts and abilities that nobody else has. Um, So you need to understand who you are and whose you are, right? Think of this. If Dwayne Johnson wasn't a gigantic man and Kevin Hart wasn't small, would we still view their roles, their friendship, all their videos at nearly as entertaining? we all know that they're actually friends and the most entertaining part is they're, they're massive differences, right? Yeah. If Kevin Hart wasn't small with a squeakier voice than me, would mm-hmm. he be as funny? He would be entertaining, but those characteristics draw us to the entertainment that he provides. If Chris Farley wasn't shaped the way he was, would we find him as comical? If Russell Wilson wasn't small as a quarterback, would he be nearly as elusive? Um, bigger even bigger with russell wilson's size and the fact that he is uh probably going to be a hall of fame caliber quarterback when he finished his career would he have built the belief in others nearly as much as he is if he was built like a statue he understands his traits his gifts and who made him therefore he understands his role and he knows that as he succeeds, regardless of biases and situations, because before Russell Wilson played quarterback, there was only a handful of starting short African-American quarterbacks. Right. Okay? He broke all of those molds, and there's others that came before him too. He's just the most popular one that I can think of right now. And he builds belief and helps us go to the next level. So we can have, you know, a discussion around these in hopes of reducing it, um, but you just can't allow it to stop you. You're created for a purpose and your purpose does not reduce in value just because there's biases standing in your way.
0: Absolutely. I hope that those of you that will watch this and listen to this heard that message. That John just gave. It's time for you to break the mold. The only way you'll break the mold is being who you are and knowing whose you are. Listen, we want to give you a tool, uh, a resource to read this week concerning the mold. There is a book called One Race, One Blood by Ken Ham and Charles Ware that talks about the original creation how God made all of us, and we really are just one race and one blood. It talks about the origins of racism, the origins of um, how we began in the creation narrative, and how God's original idea was intended to be. I encourage you, please go read this book, um, let it bless you, and really expand your mind so you can break that mold. Listen, this has been another. Another week of unscripted, authentic leadership. And we are grateful for those of you that have listened to this. Those of you that will listen to this. uh, Those of you that will tune in. Some of you may be asking, well, how do I tune in and how do I stream the podcast? Well, we're so glad you asked. One way that we want you to do that is to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe. Hit that subscribe button literally right there at the bottom of your screen. You'll see our YouTube channel, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. Yes, there you will find the full length episodes of the podcast. You'll also find uh, what we call unscripted real clips, two or three minute clips of uh, different uh, pertinent parts of segments of each podcast episode that I promise you that will bless you and will encourage you. Also, we want you to go to our Facebook page, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. Like the page, give us a review, comment, and share. If this is blessing, you don't just hoard it to yourself. Tell somebody else about the podcast. Be a share. Share if you care. Also, follow our Unscripted Leadership uh, page on Instagram, at Unscripted Leadership. Also follow John at John LeBron, and that is the number three. John LeBron, the number three. And also myself, you can follow me at Lafayette B Lane. We see most of our supporters are streaming the podcast, doing the downloads, and we are grateful for that. Those of you um, that are familiar with any major podcast platform, you will find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, also on Buzzsprout and various other streaming platforms that you find podcasts on. We thank you for your support. And this is only going to get better from here. Remember, this is unscripted, authentic leadership where we're seeking to lead change while also seeking to understand. We're here to build bridges, not walls. Bridges connect, walls divide. Until next week, God bless you. Have a wonderful week.